for for those of you who are part of the life of the community, uh, you'll know that I took uh, the months of January, February and March on what we call sabbatical. Um, So this is a rhythm that we want to adopt as leadership within the church, that we take three months out every seven years um, just to spend time to rest, to reflect. um, And probably for, you you know, I think there's a stat, and maybe you'll be able to help me with this, Phil. Phil here is on sabbatical too from the Methodist Church, which is amazing. Phil over there, although we don't want to wreck it, you know, sorry Phil, you're not working today. But but there's a stat, I think, that about 50% of leaders don't come back after a sabbatical. Something like that, something like that. The the time that they were given is like, wow, wow, and they, they, they don't come back after that that season because um being being a leader in a church is sometimes quite interesting um this has been a very interesting journey for us it's been at times phenomenal it's been at times deeply painful it's been at times exciting it's been at times um whoa but um it is my greatest and utter joy to come back and be part of this community and, and to join in again with what the Father is doing because we're family. And, um, and, and I truly believe that. And, and this time that I've had to rest and reflect has just geared me up even more. Thanks, Angela. I love you, Angela. Bless your voice, Angela, and bless your joy because you're a gift to our community. Thank you for who you are. So, I started out with this priority of rest, and then I also knew that there was probably some deep work that the Father would want to do within me. So, I um, took a week at the start of my sabbatical to do what's called debriefing, and I don't know if you guys have ever heard of this, but it's phenomenal. So, I spent a week with one of our spiritual dads in this community, Rich Lowe, who just sat with me as I processed through what had happened, actually since the day I was born. <laughs> and, uh, and I charted losses through my life. And um, when he first told me what, what I was going to do, I was just like, no problem, Rich. Easy. And he said, bring some A4 sheets of paper and we're just going to do some stuff tomorrow. I'm like, brilliant, Rich. I'm all up for this. All excited. Woo! And then he told me what's doing. He, he told me, we're going to just chart these losses in your life. And I'm like, not so exciting, Rich. <laughs> Okay, but here we go. Woo! I'm embracing the journey. Here we go. And I, I start from day one and I take the rest of the day to, to chart the losses. And there's themes like even things like moving house. That can be a loss, can't it? Um, conflicts, um, concerns, uh, just, just so many. There was five C's and I can't remember all of them, but Rich would be, do a much better journey explaining them. And um, I started on my first day four page and I got to the age of three in my little track. And then my second A4 page took me to about the age of five. And and then I started to cry a lot. And then the father came and met me in each one of those places and spaces. And I spent the whole day. And so the next day, Rich, Rich had left me to do this process uh, by myself with Jesus. The next day, uh, Rich was just like, right, Brilro, could you, could you just bring out your thing? And I'm like, no problem, Rich. So I pull out what looks like a couple of pieces of paper and then I hold them up and I nearly had to have a ladder when I dropped them because I'd glued them all together because that was quite fun (laughs) and colour coordinated the entire sheet too which was even more fun I was just adding some joy to the loss so 
holding this and just letting it drop and just like, whoa, it's quite a lot, isn't it? And actually, when we track through life, life comes with losses, doesn't it? And, and we do well to stop and wait and, and just to track those. But through that, for me personally, just came a couple of prevailing themes that I just knew the Father wanted to do a deeper work in me on. One of the prevailing themes in my life is that I have been a carer at a young age. I was a carer to my parents when I was little. Um, I have been in different systems and environments, which has made me be pretty self-reliant. I'm, I'm quite good at just getting my head down and getting, getting on with the job. But the Father revealed to me, Ro, you're being too self-reliant. I want you to move from independence to interdependence with me. And I want you to, to take you on a really sweet journey with that. So um, that was quite painful, actually. I really felt the pain of that. And I did some repenting. I did some laying down on my knees and saying, do you know what, Dad, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for the times when I thought I had it sorted. I'm sorry for the times when I didn't even consider that it was my thoughts coming before yours. And so, um, so I'm on a journey with that. I'm on a journey, and that's my new word of the year is interdependence. So I'm, I'm, I'm walking towards that, and that's going to be a lifetime journey. And um, as I came to consider today, um, you guys have been on this amazing uh, journey with Acts. And I, I just was, was pausing because I've spent a lot of time in reflection about the journey so far here at Carla Vineyard and pausing to be thankful, pausing to be grateful, pausing um, to be like, whoa, I didn't really expect that. Pausing to see the future again. Um, and I was going to share some of that journey because I think story is really, really important. However, I had this little idea last night. And um, how about next Sunday night, we were meant to be doing a come and see evening, which is meant to be just for the new people in the community to come and hear our vision and values. What about we do a story night next Sunday night? It's called The Story So Far. How about we gather round together in this upper room here and we just share the story so far and we just stop to remember what Jesus has done, what Jesus is doing, and we bring our collection of stories. We'll do a story collective. It'll be experimental. But I want to invite us, if you're free, next Sunday night, let's not just be the newest people in the community. Let's all be reminded of the story so far. So you're going to have to wait for the story. It's next week. Moving on. So... I've, I've already covered all those things. Ah, yes. Now, this was exciting. I'm going to move this because it's just going to annoy me from a dancing. Um, one of the things that Jesus said to me right in January was, Ro, would you go back over those journals that we've been writing for the last seven years and would you remind yourself of what I've been saying to you and would you remind yourself that it's not just to this whole community but it's actually to you too. Would you, would you go through the journals with me? So I booked myself into a little cabin in the woods by myself. I have never, I, I got married when I was 21. Um, I, I got married, I moved from living with my sister in a flat, from living with my, my mum and dad. I have never been alone. Like, I got, I've not been alone ever. And so it was quite a scary thought actually going to a cabin in the woods by myself. Like, what do you do? One hilarious point was that I decided to make myself cinnamon roll one day and made 12. You know, so I ate, a lot, I ate the same meal for the whole week because I made so much of it at the start of the week. 
I'm, I'm just not used to that. So, I, so anyway, get my head around that. But in this cabin in the woods, um, ah, Jesus just came and was, got me excited again. For why we are here. For, for what we're about. So can I, can I share that bit with you? Okay. Here we go. In those journals with the original vision for Carlo Vineyard Church. Originally back in 2011, although actually when I reflected, I think the, this vision was simmering in our hearts since we were maybe, I think I remember dreaming of stuff like when I was three years old. To start a movement in this region. A movement of Jesus followers who know who they are. They've got their kingdom identity sorted. What they carry, they know their kingdom authority. And that exponentially grows wherever they live, work or play. A movement who love our city and beyond into life. With the same love that Christ has shown them. And knowing that they themselves are loved and loving Jesus in increasing measure. A movement who will not settle for the status quo, who long to see injustice die and addiction go. A movement who will see the miraculous in their everyday and realise that this is found when we abide rather than strive. A movement who are more concerned about giving than getting. A movement who deeply rely on their heavenly dad and live in a life full of radical generosity and crazy compassion. A movement who take risks and don't just settle down. A movement content in the wait and yet simultaneously longing for the breakthrough. I've been bowled over again by his goodness. Illuminating, refreshing, empowering, sometimes hard. But ultimately, what we want to see is his kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. His will be done. And so I just wanted to say to you guys as a community, I am deeply committed I am deeply committed to living my life in the training and equipping of the saints. That this is not a short-term thing for Andy and I. We are in this for the long haul. We're here to see this region come alive. We're not going nowhere. And I'm sorry if that's frustrating to some of you. (laughs) He's reminded me that he has great things still to do. And he's invited me personally to co-partner with those great things. He's, he's reminded me of the dream to combat depression, to combat despair, to combat poverty, to combat those things which hold us back and that he is giving us solution for. And, and I believe that this isn't just my call. I believe this is our call as a community, that we're to deeply love one another, love those around us and love our Father and to see this released. All that as a starter. And all that because we're journeying right now as a community through this book, which is just phenomenal, which gives us a little bit of a blueprint of what this could look like, who challenges us to think beyond our current understanding and potentially um, things that maybe for some of us, we've been part of church before and so that hinders us from seeing the fullness that we are part of kingdom solution. We are the kingdom here. This is kingdom, kingdom family doing this stuff. You know, one of the things we've been talking about as a leadership is how helpful that word church is actually for us today. And so I love the word movement. 
And that's what we see in the book of Acts. We see a movement coming about. A movement. So we are going to backtrack a little bit because it's not Pentecost yet, so we can't go to Acts 2. And because we always do things chronologically in an order here at Carla Vineyard, we can't yet go to 2. So we're going back to 1, people. And we're actually just going to go to one phrase in one. Um, if you want to, if you've got your Bible there, turn to Acts chapter one. If you don't have a Bible, there's loads over here. Please just walk over and collect a Bible. We love the Bible. We love the Word of God. We love all that He has to do and say through the Word of God. And while you uh, turn to Acts chapter one, which is found in the New Testament of the Bible on the right hand side, um, it's after Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Um, Chapter 1, Acts chapter 1. I just want to remind us of a few highlight quotes so far. I've been listening in. Got a few quotes from the Linton here, the Ricky Linton. Acts is a rallying call into the greatest renovation project in history. Did you steal that, Ricky, or did you make that up? You made that up. Ricky's latest book will be released in the coming weeks. Um, It's going to be a good one. Uh, Ricky, you're a gift man. A call, uh, here's another Ricky Linton original. I think it's original, but you can correct me if you're wrong, Ricky. But it's, I, I've collated the book, so we're all good. A call into a wild and fearless movement of God. Yes, Angela, I agree. We are invited, we are invited into the story. Oh my goodness me, right. Not magnitude, but multiplication. We need to shift from just enough to more than enough. We're not here in Carlisle because we want to see a bigger and better church. We want to see life restored. Yeah, Ricky Linton. Genius. Awesome. So it tells me that we were on this Acts adventure and increasingly over the last few years I've been looking at Acts and just thinking, how do we do this further? How do we bring about the simplicity of this beautiful community in this in such a day as this when things are complicated and fast and 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 the value for community isn't necessarily there anymore? And how do we do this? And um I've been asking questions around this. So today we stand in a, in a special point of time where we are past Easter, but we are not yet at Pentecost. We are in the Pentecost days, the 50 days in between Easter Day and Pentecost Sunday. And um, in the first 40 days after Jesus rose from the dead, he's not dead. He's alive. In the first 40 days after Easter Sunday, when Jesus was found not to be dead, but alive, he proved that to his followers, to to different folk. And actually, I don't think that we know exactly how many people that he appeared to. We know of, of some documented places in scripture where he came and he appeared to prove, I'm not dead, I'm alive. And he spent 40 days doing that. And I just think that's so beautiful, isn't it? Like, doesn't he know humanity? Like, who's ever doubted? Just me then? 
like when I look at the disciples' journey, and even though he told them, this, this really comforts me, they spent time with Jesus himself, hung out with him a lot, and yet when he died, they're like, darn it! He, really, he just died! <laughs> like, like, have you ever stopped to think about that? He's, they spent time with Jesus himself, and then when he dies, they're like, God's dead! He's gone. And then, on Resurrection Sunday, when he's found, when he's not in the, in the, the tomb, they're like, what has happened? <laughs> they told him! He told them! Several times! And they knew about it through scripture, and they're still like, I don't know what's going on here. So then he, he just goes one step further and he's like, I'm actually going to appear to you in bodily form so you can help to see I'm not in the tomb. I'm not on the cross. I'm alive. And then came 10 days before Pentecost Sunday, the feast of Pentecost. And Jesus appears to his followers um, for the final time. And he tells them, this is it, dudes. I'm going up to be with my heavenly dad now. I'm going up, and I'm sure there must have been funny things going in their head, like, really? Really? So, so they spend this time together, and then Jesus ascends, and they see him ascend. They watch him ascend to be with his heavenly dad. And, um, and he says, I've got a promise for you. There's one coming called the Holy Spirit. But I'm asking you to wait in the city of Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit comes. So we see this in um, Acts 1. So let's just turn and we're just going to read Acts 1. I think, I've not put the starter verse, but I think it's about verse 3 or so, maybe 4. I'm using the message so it's not got, you know, always the, the right things, the numbers. But here we go. As they met and ate meals together, he told them that they were on no account to leave Jerusalem but must wait for what the Father promised, the promise you heard from me. John baptized in water, you will be baptized in the Holy Spirit, and soon. When they were together for the last time, they asked, Master, are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel now? Is this the time? He told them, you don't get to know the time. Timing is the Father's business. What you'll get is the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit comes in you, you will be able to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, all over Judea and Samaria, even to the ends of the world. These were his last words. As they watched, he was taken up and disappeared in a cloud. They stood there, staring into an empty sky. Suddenly, two men appeared in white robes. They said, you Galileans, why do you just stand here looking up at an empty sky? This very Jesus who was taken up from among you to heaven will come as certainly and mysteriously as he left. So my mind's been wandering this week to the 10 days. To the 10 days between Jesus ascending and the Holy Spirit coming. Ten days where they were waiting on a promise. Ten days where they probably, potentially, 75% knew that that was going to happen. But they didn't know when, they didn't know what, and they didn't know how. As humans, we seem to be hardwired to be utterly rubbish when it comes to waiting. Would you say that? 
Is anyone a great waiter? Well, you know, there will be waiters in the room, but you know, anyone great? Waiting doesn't come easily. Waiting can be really painful. Waiting can seem pointless. Waiting can seem endless. But I believe in the weight that the Father can create and mold and change and transform and bring revelation, strengthen and shape us in ways and at a depth that can't happen in any way or season or posture other. The English word for weight that we find in Acts is translated from the Greek word meno, which means to stay, to abide, to remain. In English, we transport the word relate the word wait as stay where one is or delay action. Somehow our English translation infers a stuckness or a stoppage or uh, a problem or a negativity. But somehow within the Greek we get this sense of beautiful relationship, of depth, of marination, of saturation. In our culture that's around us right now, we live in a microwavable culture. If you can't do it fast, don't do it at all. We, we don't believe in good things that come to those who wait. We, we want it now. I want the big house. I want the lovely car. I want that thing. I Actually, I need it. I need it. And I'm not going to wait to get it. I just need it now. But another area that fascinates me and I've been studying a little bit recently is psychology. Our minds are so incredible, aren't they? Incredible. So psychologists have, have studied the power of waiting. And it's correlations with patients. Patients waiting. They're kind of interchangeable things, aren't they? And here's what one psychological journal would say. Are you ready for this? This is, this is kind of cool. I'm, I'm such a geek in, in many areas. A joyful geek. Here we go. Are you ready? Patience doesn't mean passive. Can someone say that word? Passive. Passivity. Thank you, Lucy, the psychologist. Or resignation. But power. It's an emotionally freeing practice of waiting, watching, and knowing when to act. I want to give patients a 21st century makeover so you'll appreciate its worth. Patience has gotten a bad rap for the wrong reasons. To many people, when you say, have patience, it feels unreasonable and inhibiting. An unfair stalling of aspirations. Some Victorian hang-up or hangover. Is this what you're thinking? Well, reconsider. And presenting patience as a form of compassion, reattuning to intuition, a way to emotionally redeem your centre in a world filled with frustration. Patience is a gift of the spirit. Patience is a gift of the spirit. I want to invite us to embrace the weight. Waiting on the Lord is one of the most powerful, counterintuitive, sometimes seemingly counterproductive things that we could ever do. Pausing to reflect, marinate, saturate and listen rather than just go and rush ahead with action is powerful and life-changing for us and those around us. Those who wait 
upon the Lord will renew their strength. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not grow faint, says Isaiah 40. My beautiful friend, who was part of my lost chart because she moved away. People move away. Why do people move away from Carlisle? Stop doing it. Stop it. But it's okay, I've released her now. It's been two years. I've got through it. My beautiful friend, Alex Drury, who was with us for a season, she, she, uh, she loved to do some prophetic sewing for a time. And she would prophetically do sewing and, and write scripture for us. And she did this for me a couple of years, and it proudly hangs up on my wall at all times, along with some other Alex Drury originals. But those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. How powerful. What I love in that verse, as I was just reminded of it this week and thinking about about waiting, that um, if we spend our whole lives waiting and never walking... I believe that we're going to be great theorists. We're going to speculate really well. But I I don't think that we're going to become practitioners. I don't think that we're going to be able to enter into the fullness of the promise. And I don't think that multiplication can really happen. I think what I'm trying to say is if we keep all the waiting here and we're waiting and we're waiting on the Lord and we're just going to keep waiting on the Lord and we're going to keep the waiting on the Lord, somehow that can turn into a place of fear. As well, can't it? Where we, where we, where we stay so still because we're still waiting, we're still waiting, we're still waiting, we're still waiting, and we're waiting, and we're, it's almost like us guys just staying here just now. We're just gonna wait until he, until he tells us specifically exactly what we're to do next. We're gonna wait. We could be waiting for quite a while, couldn't we? Because I believe that he's called us to the walking as well, because he said to us in this verse that, that those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength and they will run and they will walk while they wait. How cool is that? It's almost like um, on Easter Sunday, we had this beautiful picture of Mary running an impossible run where both of her feet were off the ground and off she goes. And simultaneously, she was airbound and running. It was just incredible. But I just wonder how many of us are waiting and not walking. But then on the flip side of us, how many of us are walking but not waiting? How many of us are missing the depth and the fullness of the journey because we're so heart set on just getting the thing done and we're not taking the time just to wait? How many of us have have cultivated a lifestyle of waiting? Because I I believe that we can do it while we walk. Like, Like, it becomes a lifestyle choice rather than the thing that we do. It's not like a scheduled event in our planner where every day we must wait on the Lord for five hours before we do anything else. Some days it's good to do that, though. But if we did that every... Is that, realistic? is that a realistic expectation in your life? Five hours a day? Say, no? So how about we, we develop a culture of waiting? 
How about we develop a, a thought process of waiting? How about we, we, as we hear, as we speak to people, we are just developing a culture of, I'm going to stand and wait and listen to every word that you have to say. And as I listen to every word that you have to say, I'm going to believe that my father might just say something to me in this waiting moment. I'm going to wait and listen. I'm just going to slow it down a couple of notches and not be so content and just getting the thing done. I'm just going to wait. I just think about the disciples in that 10-day period. Those guys have been through a lot. Like, they were at the crucifixion. I can't believe, like, for, for us in this day and age, we would all be right to the trauma therapist. Like, like that is horrific what they witnessed. And then they have the roller coaster that only 72 hours later, they're like, what? And then he appears to them. And so I just wonder, I wonder what it was like. Maybe this is just how my mind works. What would it have been like in those 10 days of waiting? What could we imagine that the disciples were doing? They were found at the end of the 10 days in the same place gathered together. But what would that 10 day of waiting look like for them? Waiting on a promise. Waiting together. We see that they decided to practice waiting. That they did as uh, Jesus had invited them to do, that they chose to stay and wait. They chose to embrace the interim not knowing of living in a now and a not yet tension. They chose to trust the promise ahead. How good are we at waiting? How good are you at waiting? How many times have you rushed on ahead with your own plans and schedules because you're tired of waiting? How often does your need to know forsake a deeper plan of greater purpose for tomorrow? How many of us have a plan B ready to deploy at all times? Just in case Jesus' plan A doesn't work out. But I just recognize that many of us are in a waiting season in our lives. Every season in life brings times of wait. We've got the Johnsons on the front row waiting for a little baby. It's quite exciting. We've got people who feel that they've had promises over their lives and they're still waiting to see those fulfilled. We've got people who've got uh, potential heartbreaks over their lives and they're, they're, they're just waiting to see what unfolds. And with that comes frustration. <laughs> Comes a deep want to run away. Comes joy. Comes fear. Some of us really struggle with trust in that season. Some of us feel that we didn't even know the promise in the first place. 
some of us have forgotten the promises God over our lives and need to remind ourselves. And I'm intentionally slowing down right now because I just feel the Father saying to us, wait. Wait. Wait on me. I want to strengthen your resolve. I want to build your trust. I want to do things in this season that I'll never, um, you, you won't see in another season of your life. Wait often and remember the goodness of God in your life. Why was the last time you just thought, I'm just going to take five minutes to think about the goodness of God in my life? Who's done that recently? Who's just stopped to wait and say, thank you, Jesus, for what you've done in my life? Who stopped to just think and thank him that he saved our lives? And just waiting upon him and thank him. Who's stopped to take stock of how much he loves you? That you've waited upon him and said, I welcome your love right now. How many have waited upon him in the company of others? Who've just had a heart's resound that we're just going to wait upon the Lord because we don't know what the next step's going to look like, but we're just going to wait upon the Lord and we're just going to create a space in our home where we're going to wait upon the Lord. I would love to hear of that breaking out so much more often. It's what the disciples are found to be doing, of just gathering together. And waiting upon the Lord. And not being so quick to develop a a strategy. Like those guys hadn't developed, right, let's say I think about how we're going to do this season. Because uh, we don't know how long it's going to be. We don't know what's coming. And we're not quite sure what's happened anyway. So how do you develop a strategy for that? They They were told to wait, so they waited. They waited on the Lord. So I just want to encourage us as a community. We're going to do this this week. This is week part one. And then we're going to go on to next week too because it's not Pentecost yet. We're going to do it next week as well. We're going to wait. And we are going to develop a culture in our community of being quick to wait. And that doesn't mean that we're not going to be a culture who is going to continually love on each other, who's going to continually love on those around us. We're going to just keep doing what we need to do, right? But within that, we're going to, we're going to develop a depth to who we are by waiting on the Lord. By waiting on the Lord. And so I've intentionally finished earlier today than we would normally because I want to just do that. Can we do that? So what we're going to do is we're just going to wait on the Lord. We're just going to come together and we're going to wait on the Lord. Some of you might have a little notepad with you. Um, One of the things I want to talk about next week is just how do we develop um, lifestyle around this. Then in the season of waiting, our minds are remembered about the journaling, about the the promises that we're we're proactively writing these down. That we're also 
getting ourselves into the word, that we're allowing the word to marinate and saturate us because it's in the seasons of waiting that we need the word. It's in the seasons of waiting that we need to be able to remember that verse that comes to mind. It's in those seasons where we're just not quite sure how it's all going to work out. That's what gives us our stability. That's what gives us our stability. So we're going we're gonna to do a bit of practitioners of the wait next week. We're going to learn how to wait really well. We might do a, why don't we do some queuing? That could be fun. Bring out the inner Britishness in us all. We're going to learn. We're going to go into the how-tos. But I want to stop and wait now. So I'm just going to invite you to embrace the awesomeness in the awkward. Because some of us are not good with silence. Me included. And I want you to, if you would like to, you could stand up. If you want to find another space in the room, you can you can go and find another space. And we're just going to wait on the Lord. Now, because we're actually post-Pentecost, it's quite exciting. <laughs> because, like, I know that we're actually waiting for Pentecost to talk about Pentecost. But because we're actually after Pentecost, Holy Spirit is here. Thanks, Angela, you're excited. Holy Spirit is here. We don't have to wait for the Holy Spirit. He's here. He literally, when he, this is the most divine exchange ever. So, so, so we recognize our need for a savior. We recognize our need for a heavenly dad. And then we, all we have to do is surrender our lives to him and just say, here you are. I, I surrender my life. I realize that my life without you has not been working out so great. And I want a life with you. And right at that moment, Holy Spirit comes and says, hi there. <laughs> hi, friend. I'm with you. All aboard. So he's living within us. For those who have chosen to make Jesus our best friends, to give our lives to him. He lives within us. He is the helper and the enabler. So he is not one to be feared. He is like our best buddy. And he is here already. So we get a glimpse. I mean, we are honoured, right? Because we're not in this part of the story yet with the disciples. They didn't have Holy Spirit yet, but we do. 